Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast and trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode number 77 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. You are in for a real treat today. Today on the podcast, I am interviewing Courtney Henshaw, who is the founder of Ramona Recommends, which is her amazing Instagram account where she shares all about picture books. And she's also the host of Confetti Moments podcast, where she interviews authors and illustrators of well-known picture books. She's had some amazing guests on her podcast. You seriously need to go check it out. And she is also the founder of National Open the Magic Day. Like seriously, she created a national holiday. How amazing is that? Now, if you have never heard of Open the Magic Day, I promise you it is something that you are going to want to celebrate with your students. Anyways, Courtney has such a heart and passion for picture books and how to incorporate them into your classroom. She is also currently a fifth grade teacher in California and has just so much expertise and insight and ideas to share with you guys today, specifically on the topic of picture books. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Definitely check out the show notes after you listen so you can follow her on Instagram and head over to her podcast as well. And let's jump right into the interview. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I have connected with Courtney over on Instagram and it has been so fun following her. She is a fellow picture book lover and I'm just so excited for this conversation today. So could you go ahead and just give a brief introduction of who you are and what you do in case my audience has not met you before? Yes, I'm just so excited. And I am a fifth grade teacher in Orange County, California. And I also run Ramona Recommends, 
which is a brand where I really try to cultivate the love of reading through picture books. And a little bit later in our episode, you'll get to learn about my story and why picture books are so important. And I would say, if you ask my students what's something I talk about every day in my classroom, it would probably be chocolate coconut ice cream from Trader Joe's. Okay. That's amazing. First of all, as you were saying that, I was like, what would my students have said? Probably coffee, but I feel like I need to go check out this chocolate coconut ice cream from Trader Joe's because that sounds delicious. It is. (laughs) Okay. So you are the owner and creator behind Ramona Recommends. You also have a podcast, Confetti Moments, which I love just your creativity behind your naming, but can you kind of give us a little bit of background on what is Ramona Recommends? Where does that name come from and what, you know, what you do with that platform? Yes. So when I was in third grade, I was diagnosed with dyslexia and an auditory processing disorder. And reading was extremely difficult for me, but I loved books. And I grew up in a home where determination was like a family word. Like my parents were like, you're not giving up. Like we're going to give you the tools to continue to succeed. And with loving parents and lots of books, I was able to show the world and show myself that I can do the inevitable. And school was very hard for me. And I, my, both of my sisters are extremely brilliant. And my older sister probably got a 1600 on her SATs. And I was one that had to do like color coding notes. I had every tutor. We laughed at like my tutor in college for math. We probably bought her entire designer purse collection and school was really, really hard, but books saved me. And one of my favorite memories growing up was when my mom would read to me, like she said it, Courtney, it wasn't that you couldn't do it. You just needed time and being able to hear my mom read. I could comprehend, but when I was reading myself, it was just a struggle But I found so much joy in picture books because I could tell the story through the pictures. They were engaging to me. They were short. They were not like a chapter book that was super long. And so I just loved picture books. I'll never forget one of my favorite picture books. And I actually still have the actual picture book with the Scholastic Book Fair stamp inside of a blue whale was The Wonderful World of Jillian Jiggs. And it is about a little girl who loves pigs and I love pigs and she would make pigs. And it's one of my favorite books because of A, pigs, and then B, because my mom would read it to me. So let's fast forward to high school. I was in a math class and I struggled with geometry because the word angle and angels, if you don't know, so somebody who has dyslexia, we really struggle with spelling, with comprehension, with like switching words around, letters around. So this wasn't the only reason I struggle with geometry, but I would always write like angle angels instead of angles. That's not the only reason, but that's a story that I remember in my head. And I had another teacher who said, oh, you know, I just don't think college is for Courtney. Like maybe you should try something different. And at the time, like I was like, well, like maybe I should, maybe I'm not going to go to college. And all my friends were going to USC, which is huge here in California. They were going to Ivy League schools. And I was just like devastated that maybe I wasn't going to college. But I had a work ethic that really carried me through and I wanted to do well. And just like I said earlier in the podcast, it took me a, a hot minute. So fast forward, I, I when I tell stories, sometimes I tell them a little bit too long. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. I ended up going to a small Christian school and 
If you are listening to this podcast, that probably means you love podcasts. On my podcast, Confetti Moments, I tell my whole story called My Story, where it talks about like every detail, but I'm going to fast forward through them so you're not here for four hours. We will definitely link to that episode if you want like the full version. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to fast forward. So that college experience didn't work out because I was homesick. My grandma passed away. I was overweight as a kid and then it got worse in college because like there was no parent telling me you don't need 25 donuts. So it just didn't work out. So I moved home, but that was one of the best things I've ever done for myself. I ended up going to the community college here in Orange County, California, had the best classes. I took a class on horticulture and y'all that's really entertaining. Like it is so interesting to learn about why certain plants grow in certain climates and how you can grow your own garden. Anyway, so then my dad said, why don't you just apply to University of Arizona? I thought, you know, that would be kind of fun. I love the weather. And my mom went there. My sister went there. Let's do it. So I applied there. I got in. And then I finished my degree there. And I got my college degree. And I had a teacher that told my parents, Courtney would never go to college. And you did it. And I did. And I actually graduated with honors. And I ended up going on to get my master's degree in reading. I bet that must have been like an amazing feeling of like, I did this, like something that somebody told me I could not do. Like I did it. Yes. And then I taught for two years, but then the budget cuts happened and I had to stop teaching for a little bit. But during that time is when I started Ramona Recommends. And I would IA, which is instructional assistant. So I would work with students on reading or making copies. And then I would come home and I would do Ramona Recommends. And it all started one night on November 11th. I was sitting downstairs with my parents because I had moved back home and I still just stayed there to save money. And I was watching, I think the U of A basketball game. And I thought, I'm going to just start like recommending picture books on Instagram. And At first I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. But then I'm like, okay, like nobody's really following me except for my friends. And like, while they love picture books, they don't love them. Like I love them. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll start like a blog or something. What should I call it? Well, I'm the youngest of three girls and I am definitely Ramona Quimby. So like I get, I got into other things as a kid. I'm super creative. I'm quirky and I love fun facts and I'm, I'm just Ramona. So I thought, And then I love alliteration. Uh I was like, Ramona recommends. Ooh, I like that. So I went upstairs and I opened up a blog spot on Google. I looked on Etsy. I found a cute little rainbow-esque looking template. I bought it. I made a second Instagram. And at that time, oh, good Lord, you had to like sign out of your personal Instagram and sign back into Ramona. I mean, y'all. The effort. (laughs) And I guess something I want to say that's not really with this, but like people who feel like you can grow on Instagram in five seconds, like you can't. I started November, 2013. And so this November, it'll be 10 years and I'm still learning. I'm still growing, but it's not about your Instagram followers. And I don't know when this podcast comes out, but I just announced I'm taking a break on social media right now because My impact is not on how many followers I have. My impact is my story of telling parents and telling teachers, do not give up on your child. Do not stop reading to them. Do not let them feel less because they maybe don't understand a concept on day one. 
that is my impact. And I want families to know that their child will succeed and maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but like it will happen. I was told in third grade, you are dyslexic. I was told in high school, you will not go to college. Well, funny because I have a college degree. I have a master's degree. I was teacher of the year at my school district two years ago. And I run Ramona Recommends where I am sharing my love of picture books. Like I love them a lot. I think it's more than a love. I feel like this is like an obsession. Like, <laughs> it is, But it's a positive obsession. <laughs> Absolutely it is. With that, like, don't give up, like keep going. And I really hope today as you listen to this episode that you feel that and that if you're in this situation with your own child, with a student, you just keep loving because one day they will get that confetti and it will be a party. I love it. I'm like wanting to give you like all the snaps because I'm just like, this is amazing. First of all, like I've known some of this, but just even hearing you talk through it, you have an incredible story. And I'm so glad that you didn't give up because I think about how many parents and students and teachers are positively impacted by your love of picture books and your willingness to share it. If you guys are not following Courtney on Instagram, she is at Ramona Recommends and we will definitely link to all of that. But I will just get lost in her Instagram feed because I'll scroll through it. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard of this book before. And then I'll click on it. And then of course I'm over to Amazon, like adding it to my Amazon cart or just like the quotes that she shares or the inspiration. So it truly is a source of inspiration and encouragement all centered around picture books, which is absolutely amazing. And a disclaimer real quick, because I'm really sorry to everybody's uh, checkbooks because I just can't stop recommending. Yeah. (laughs) There's all sorts of ways we can get free picture books, but don't stop recommending for sure. Hearing you say those things, I have like a million and one things I want to ask you. So we're going to do our best to keep this a concise interview, but fair warning, we might just, this might be longer than my normal interviews, but you said in third grade that you got diagnosed with dyslexia and had that struggle all throughout, but you loved picture books. Like as a kid, did you still continue that love of picture books? Like even into middle school and high school and college, or was there ever a time where you're like, no, these are not for me anymore because I'm growing up. I'm a middle schooler. I'm a high schooler. I'm I'm an adult. Or have you always had that same love of picture books? I love this question. This is a fun one. So I've always loved, but I will say, I think like in middle school and high school, I maybe took a hot minute to like, say like, hang on, I'm going to like put you over there for a second. But then they picked up pretty quickly in college. And one of my favorite stories was I was sitting in the U of A bookstore, shocker that I was in a bookstore and I was looking through books and I came upon, thank you, Mr. Falker. Yes. And if you don't know that story, please go check it out. And I'm going to kind of spoil it for you right now. But it is about Patricia Polacco, the author. It's about her story. And she's dyslexic. And I'll never forget reading that book, sitting in the bookstore and being like, oh my gosh, like an author is dyslexic. If an author is dyslexic, nothing's stopping me. Like I'm going to rise. Nothing is stopping me. I remember texting my mom and like T9ing her. Good Lord, I'm (laughs) aging myself. But and being like, mom, like I'm not alone. And we'll talk about it later, but that was a confetti moment for me. And that's why I feel like picture books are so important because they can literally help a child go from feeling less to feeling like Muhammad Ali. And that's super important to me. I love that. And I love that you even had that moment as an adult, like connecting with the characters in a picture book. And I I think of it so often and my audience knows I'm no longer in the classroom. And anytime I see a book recommendation or talk with people, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had this when I was in the classroom because this would have been great for this specific student or the specific child or instance. And I just think how important it is for us to be intentional about exposing our students to books where they can see themselves 
in the characters. Like you said, it, it helps us know that it's like picture books make us feel like we're not alone. And I just love that that's a gift that books can give. But I love that you had that experience, I think, even as an adult. Okay. So I'm curious, did you always want to be a teacher? Yes. So in second grade, every night we would have family dinner and my parents would always ask us like questions about like what we wanted to be when we grow up, what's our favorite food. And I think that's why I love asking my students random crazy questions like that. And one night it was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I literally stood up at the kitchen table that my parents still have today. Gosh, bless them. Let's hope they finally get a new one one day. And I said, I'm going to be a teacher. And you never changed your mind. It never changed. So even with the struggle with dyslexia and like struggling through school and even having that teacher in high school say like, you won't graduate, like you still always wanted to be a teacher. That's awesome. How do you think that having your experience with dyslexia changed the way you taught? I mean, I even think like as a young teacher, like how did that influence the way that you went into the classroom and approached your instruction? I'm going to be super candid. Some days I feel like it helps me so much because I can be so empathetic to my students. And then sometimes it's hard for me because I deal with perfectionism myself. And sometimes I want to put that on my students and I have to remember like they're 10, they're nine, they're whatever age I've taught. I've taught from third through sixth grade and I need to be their biggest cheerleader because right now they don't have not that they don't have the skills, but like they need people, humans in their lives, especially adults, modeling what does it mean to be a cheerleader? What does it mean if you fail, you get back up and you keep going? Because if they have these skills now, it is going to make them thrive as they're older. And it's so important. Like I teach in a district where academics is so important and social emotional learning is so important, but we have kids that like, Failure is not an option and it's like, but I need it to be an option because if you don't fail now and you fail when you're older, you're not going to know how to handle it and that's going to be a disaster. So let's fail now. Let me help you pick up the pieces so that you know how to do it as you get older. And so I feel like my best piece of advice for if you are having kids in your classroom who have dyslexia, be patient, be kind meet them where they're at and any gain, whether it is so small or so gigantic, is a gain. It is a win, no matter how small or big, it's a gain for you as the teacher, but it's a gain for that child. I love that. And I think that is so important, but I don't know, maybe we can like dig into this a little bit more. I feel like the educational system is so focused on testing and academic performance. And I love how you said, like, it's important for kids to fail kind of like under our care because like failure is inevitable. It is a part of everybody's life. And I think too often people don't get that opportunity to fail and like fail well until they are (laughs) in college, independent, like adults. And then it's like, well, shoot, I don't have the coping skills to do this. But how do we help students fail when the educational system is set up in such a way to where it's like unacceptable? You know, it's like the standardized test. If you fail that, you have to go to summer school or failing grades, or you now have to have like these IEP meetings. And there's such a stigma, a negative stigma on failure in education. And so, you know, especially knowing that you're like a fifth grade teacher, I taught first grade all the way up to fourth grade and then was an assistant principal. And I feel like, and maybe this is unfair, but I feel like at the younger grades or younger ages, it's easier to to help kids understand that like, no, this is okay. You're still growing. But I feel like when kids are in fifth grade and they are struggling with reading and they aren't passing and they've never passed the test, like how do we help those kids who basically just exist in a state of failure, experience those wins that you're talking about. And I don't know if you have the answer to that. Well, I'm going to share what I think. And I hope that this touches somebody's heart, but you 
walk with them. Yeah. I have kids in my class who are reading at a first grade level who have never seen success. You hold their hand figuratively and you walk with them and you remind them every day that you are so glad that they are here, that they won because they got up and they are fighting the fight that is so overwhelming to them. But one day it's going to pay off and maybe it's not going to pay off in the way that we think it should or the way that, you know, the world sees it, but it's going to pay off. And they're going to remember teachers like you or parents like you who love them anyway. I am a huge fan of Annie F. Downs. I don't know if you know who she is. Yes, I love her. (laughs) She is a Christian speaker. And she talks a lot about the word and, that you can sit in happiness and in sadness. And so I think for those kids, while failure is a greater option right now, they can also sit in the fact that I tried today, even though I wasn't where I should be, I tried. And that's what I remind my students at all levels. So back in a couple of years ago, before COVID, we used to level and I had the high reading group and I would talk to them about like, you have the ability to knock this out of the park, but some of them chose to not give me their best. And I said, you have the ability You can go take that test. You can do this project like that. There are other kids in our school who would give anything to do what you're doing and you're choosing not to. And for some fifth graders, right over their head. And others, it was like, oh my gosh, Ms. Hinshaw, you are so right. And so to kind of answer your question, I feel like you have to push back a little bit on the system and remind the system that we're human. Yeah. And we must remind our kids that social, emotional, and I mean, I fully believe this. So I'm fully aware I'm saying it on a public platform, <laughs> but social, emotional learning is more important than academics. Academics are so important. Yes, I, yes, they are. Please don't come at me. <laughs> but social, emotional learning is going to make every kid thrive and be able to do the academics. If they don't have those Maslow basic needs of love, they're not going to be able to sit in your lesson and plot coordinate planes or talk about theme. They're like, no, I didn't have dinner last night. Or no, I don't know how to write a complete sentence that I'm a fifth grader and I'm so overwhelmed in this classroom. You know, I've never heard anybody say that sort of answer of just walk with the students. And I think like hold their hand figuratively, you know, but just, I think encouraging them where they're at. And I was this way as a teacher, I'm like a problem solver and a fixer. And so when we have students who are struggling, we want to fix their problems and we want to like find the right strategy and the right structure, the system, like whatever it is, like, let me pull them to small groups five times a day. Let me help them. But sometimes we just need to love them and support them and walk with them at the pace at which they're growing. So I love that response. And like you said, I hope that that helps some teacher out there. So just walk with your students, friends. Okay. I'm glad that you mentioned SEL because I want to talk about that a little bit. So obviously you love picture books and you recommend them, but you're also really big on SEL. And if you are a listener of my podcast, then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had Andrea Burns on to talk all about SEL and Andrea and Courtney are actually friends in real life, which I think is so fun. But could you give my audience just sort of a brief explanation of what SEL is and then how you use picture books in your class to address that important topic? This topic, I could talk about it all day, every day. So again, so sorry for the long-winded answer. So SEL stands for social emotional learning, and it really should stand for 
these are not going to be the right letters, but like you all need to do it. That's what it really should stand for. I love that definition. We should maybe petition to like switch it over to you all need to do it. (laughs) There you go. Oh my gosh. Look at you and I are going to go into office together. So I get asked this a lot. So at my school, I am the lead teacher for SEL. And I get asked by a lot of teachers who I'm coaching, how do you have time, Courtney? Like I have to do this, this, this. And so here's my analogy that I really love and other people have told me they love. So I'm like, okay, I'll talk about it. Is think of a chocolate chip cookie and think of it if you didn't have the chocolate chip. So it's just the cookie. That's your standards, your curriculum, your to-do list that the district makes you do. Then you are going to add the chocolate chips are those SEL moments. I mean, think about a chocolate chip cookie without chocolate chips. Boring. Yeah. Nobody wants that. (laughs) No, you add the chocolate chips in and it's like, oh my gosh, this is heavenly. And then think about like how much love your students are going to get from this. And then think about it coming out of the oven and like the smell and like, that's all those moments that you're creating for your kids while you're teaching. So for example, two things that I've done in my classroom while I'm teaching is we're really working on being back from COVID is making sure that everybody feels loved and valued when they're speaking. So let's say that Sarah and I are in the same class together and I'm speaking. So Sarah, we need to make sure her eyes are on the speaker and listening. And then let's say that Andrea is in our class too. And then she might say, oh my gosh, I love what Courtney said. I would like to add to that. That builds community it helps with academics and it allows those kids who who are failing maybe a little bit earlier listen to somebody who maybe is a little more advanced and grow from that. So that's one thing. Another thing is picture book. <laughs> so every morning I have what's called hello to you. So the kids come in and on my board it says hello to you. And then here's what they need to do: one, two, three, four, five. And then my students run the morning. Like, I don't even need to, I could like be at Pete's coffee, getting my chai tea latte for the first 30 minutes of my day. And the kids probably wouldn't even know I wasn't there. That's amazing. But I want to say really fast. And I know this is not about classroom management, but the reason why that's amazing. And the reason why I can do that is because we've modeled and we've practiced and I've stopped and started. So if you are a new teacher listening to this, please don't think, gosh, like, well, my kids can't do that. Y'all, I've been teaching for 15 years. I would say that it's taken me a while to get there and it wasn't overnight. And even at the beginning of the year, we practice and practice, but I digress. So back to this. So then we do national days, which we're going to talk a little bit about later where my students read them. We do a joke and a fact and a would you rather just like some fun things, because as we all know, kids need fun right now. And fifth graders are still kids. They are not adults. They still need the fun. And then we do a picture book called Open the Magic. And most of the time, my picture books are social emotional learning picture books. And I will ask my students, what did you learn from this? What did you gain from this? And I will let them guide the conversation. And I actually have a resource that I created over 45 picture books that I create questions that teachers or parents can ask the kids. Cause I get that too. Like, I don't know what to ask. And like, for example, my own sisters who are incredible moms, like they'll be like, uh, okay. So like we read last night, but sorry, sorry, Tiffany and Shannon. Love you so much. <laughs> but I'll be like, okay, well, if you read, can you like ask those questions? Cause it like, it builds community and it builds trust. And oh my goodness, I could go on that for a 
hours, but building social emotional learning with picture books, and then also just modeling what you want your kids to do and see in the classroom. So I have a mirror in my room and around it is a rainbow of affirmations. So I'm strong. I am loved, whatever. And if I see a student who's struggling, I'll say, Hey, go to the mirror. And then they have to go to the mirror and look at it and say, I am whatever, or I believe in myself. And if they say it like, I believe in myself, the kids are like, Nope. And so they vote. And then the kid has to say it until like, we feel it. And I am not kidding. Like it has changed my classroom since I started it. That sounds like something that I would do in my classroom. But I was like, let me be a skeptic for just a minute. And I want to be like, does that stuff actually work? You know, we're talking about all these like warm, fuzzy, like we're building community and student led, but like, I think, does that stuff actually work? Like, do you notice a difference by focusing on these things? You know, I think teachers, and I was this teacher for a long time, like I don't have time to do any of these extra things because I don't even have enough time to teach the standards my district's giving me. So if I'm going to stray from what's expected of me, it better be worth my time and have some sort of like payoff. So is it worth it? It's a hundred percent worth it. And I'm going to tell a quick story. I know my stories were long, but I had a student four years ago who came into my room that did not want to be there, had such anger. I don't want to say issues, but anger, anger. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because if you know me in real life, like I am so personable. I am like, everything's happy. Sun's always shining. It's like, what am I going to do? And because I modeled failure, I modeled love. I modeled my story. I modeled how to bow out gracefully. I modeled how to love yourself. He is now in eighth grade. And I just got a letter from him. He had to write I don't know what it was, but he had to write his first English class in eighth grade. And I'm actually going to just pull it out right now. I won't read the whole thing. I love that you have that like handy. She's literally like pulling out like a binder. She knows exactly where it is. I love it. I am not that organized. So I have what's called the forever file. And I love how you say, oh, she knows right where it is. And I literally look at it every day and now I can't find it. But it's called my forever file. And it's when you're just having that day where you wonder, like, does what I do really work? Like, Am I making a difference? Well, I won't read the whole thing, but pretty much he says, when I was younger, I had a negative view of school and I came into Miss Hinshaw's class and she shared her hardships. She shared about her learning disability. And she told us that, yeah, it was a hard climb, but that she persevered. And he said, by the end of the first day of school, I knew I was in the right class. And he did know, but he gave me a run for the money that year. He said, she taught me not to hide the negatives in my life, but to embrace them and look at the negatives from a positive perspective. Ms. Hinshaw amazed me. She had no shame or sadness in her story. She radiated good vibes like the sunshine. And then he said, at the end of the year, she told us three things, spread kindness like butter wherever we go, treat people like you want to be treated, and that we can accomplish anything if we put our minds to it, no matter what people tell us. Ms. Hinshaw will always be in my heart. To me, she was an amazing and special teacher. That is fantastic. And I'm like, I want to be in your classroom. (laughs) I mean, clearly you have a gift for being able to create community and inspire students. And I just, I'm inspired just like hearing those words from your students. And I'm like, I want to now go back into the classroom and have that same sort of impact. So well, I I mean, I've only known you for like, I don't even know, not maybe two months. But I feel inspired by you. And I want you to know that like everything you're putting out into the world is inspiring teachers and 
it's so important that everybody realizes how important they are. I don't think people tell people enough how much they mean to them. And so Sarah, thank you so much for everything you do because I am growing because of you. I feel like we're having this like warm, fuzzy moment right now. (laughs) I have a lot of those. I can't help it. It's who I am. Okay. I have a few more questions I want to dig into, but I've loved this interview. This has been so much fun for me. Okay. You created a national holiday. I did. Okay. So I want to hear about this one. I loved doing like national holidays with my students. We didn't do them a ton, but I tried to, and I know they're a thing. And I definitely like what national holiday is it today? So I'm curious. First of all, I want to know, tell us about your national holiday. And I also want to know, how do you go about creating a national holiday? Like, what does that process look like? It is a process for sure. So about four years ago, I thought, I really want to make a day to celebrate kids who have dyslexia and to celebrate the power of picture books. And so I'm going to make a day. And my tagline for Ramona is called Open the Magic, about when you open a book, like all the amazing book feels come out. And so I thought, I'm going to start one. So I just kind of started at school one year and, you know, just did it in my classroom, kind of kept it low key. And then the next year, kind of still low key. And then the year after that, a little more people around me kind of did it. And then I thought, like, there's real national days. Like I celebrate in my classroom every day. I have a student who stands up and literally reads. Today's national days are like, for example, on my birthday, which is April 25th, it's National DNA Day. National East meets West day, national hug a plumber day and (laughs) another one national telephone day and the kids eat it up. So I thought I'm going to look into that. So I went onto the website nationalday.com and I clicked on creating a national day. There's a lot of rules. Let's start there. So you can't like do national Courtney day. You can't do this. There's a lot of camps, but there's a lot of cans. Like you can be a nonprofit. You can like have a love for something. So I filled it out and didn't hear anything. Crickets, crickets, crickets. And then I got an email that said, sorry, but no thanks. So then last year I was, so I taught hybrid last year. So my students were with me. I taught a five, six combo. So Monday and Thursday, I had my fifth graders, Tuesday and Friday, I had my sixth graders. And then Wednesdays, everybody was at home. And that was the day like I planned. So it was a Wednesday and I was just kind of thinking at the end of my day, like I wasn't ready to go home. I thought, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to like, maybe they, they feel bad for te- teachers right now. So maybe this will get through. So I filled it back out. And then in February of last year, I had had the day off and I went on a run and I got home and I saw this email that said from the national day committee. And I thought, oh, okay. They're probably denying me. I clicked on it. It was like, congratulations. My mouth like fell to the floor. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a real thing. And so at first I'm not a skeptic, but like the world's kind of crazy. I thought, well, maybe this isn't true. Like maybe somebody like hacked in and it's not true. So I like wrote back and I said, like, I'm so interested, but I need to learn more. And they said, no, all you have to do is unfortunately pay a fee, which is fine. And then write about it and then it will go on. So my sister, who should be my editor for my life, I wrote it all out. I sent it to her. I said, will you like proofread it? And she's like, it's great. So I sent it in and then they said, okay, like your day is September 25th. And so there it is. And Sarah can see, I have a huge poster in my office. It says national open the magic day. And the only bummer the last two years has been on a weekend. So in 2021, it was on a Saturday in 2022, it's going to be on a Sunday. 
But September 25th, 2023, it's on a Monday. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. So I'm so pumped about it. And the day you can learn more about it on my blog or on the National Day website is really just making a voice for all the kids who struggle with reading, but reminding parents and kids and teachers that picture books will open the magic and readers will develop. I love it. And I cannot wait to celebrate this holiday and encourage teachers to celebrate this holiday because I think it's great. And I'm just so like, you are an action taker. I am so inspired by your like, I'm going to start a national day. I'm going to start an Instagram account. Like I'm just going to do these things. So also a little encouragement to my teachers out there. Like if you have an idea for something, whether it's an Instagram account or a blog or a podcast or a national holiday, like do it, especially if it's going to have a benefit for our students. So I absolutely love that. Okay, real quick before we wrap this up, I want to hear a little bit about your podcast. Courtney is the host of Confetti Moments podcast. And if you are not listening to it, you definitely need to. We'll link to it. I know obviously you are all podcast listeners. So if you're looking for more wonderful podcasts, listen to add hers to your list. But tell us a little bit about your podcast and the focus of it. Yes. So Confetti Moments is a place where I interview authors, illustrators, book lovers, and I do some solo acts as well all about the power of picture books. And it is so much fun. Like I didn't realize how much I was going to like it. And to be honest, I kind of started it just because everybody was doing it. It'll be three years next January, but I fell in love with it. And I'm like, I'm going to be the next Oprah, but really I'm going to be the next Annie F. Downs because that's where I'm headed these days. But I absolutely love it. And I think my favorite thing about it is to hear the why behind picture books and why authors write them or why illustrators do what they do, it is fascinating. So for example, I had Pete Oswald. He is the illustrator behind all of the food series books, and he has many of his own. And he has one called Hike. It's a fantastic wordless picture book for Earth Day and for spring. And he talks about why he wrote that book, about the journey with his father. And it was just so heartfelt. And I loved it. And It's funny to think that like authors and illustrators are just like you and I, but they have such a gift. And I remind them that when I interview them, like your gift is helping so many people, especially me, because I love all picture books and it's just so fun. And then my favorite question to ask everyone on my episode is what's your favorite picture book? And everybody gets mad at me. So I can't give you my favorite (laughs) picture book, like book lovers. It's like you picking a favorite child. Can't do it. Can't do it. Okay. Well, I'm glad you say that because I'm actually going to ask you that exact same question. I know. I'm finally going to get to feel the pain. (laughs) Okay. So real quick, before we wrap this up, what is your favorite picture book? Oh my gosh. I've been trying to think about this the entire episode and it's making me very anxious, but I'm going to say, I'm trying to think of one that's like come out recently that I really, really love. And I'm going to say out of a jar. Who's the author for that one? I knew you were going to ask. I was going to say, I don't think I know that only because I was like, I haven't heard of this one before. And of course, if you're recommending it, I want to add it to my list. Let me look it up real fast, everybody. I'll be a hot skip and a jump. So it's a fantastic social emotional one about feelings. It is by Deborah Marcero. Okay. I've never heard of that. And of course, I love your recommendation. So I will be adding that to my list. Okay. A few other book questions. Do you have a favorite author? I'm trying to feel of like who I feel most connected to when I read their books. And I'm going to have to say Trudy Ludwig. Mm, I love her stories. She has a new one coming out in June and it's called like Everyday Brave, I think. Let me look it up. And it's going to be 
Fantastic. She's actually on my podcast coming up in June. She's the author of The Invisible Boy, which is a story that I recommend to my audience for so many reasons. And so we will have to definitely keep an eye out for her new one coming out as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so many new ones coming out. Okay. It's called Brave Every Day. And then another one that's coming out in 2022 that's going to be fantastic is one about Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I'm an ice cream lover as well. So I'll have to keep my eyes open for that one. (laughs) Okay. What about a favorite genre? Do you have a favorite genre that you like to read or that you like to read to your students? So for picture books, I love biographies. As much as I love reading, I would say social studies is my second favorite thing to teach. And I just love learning about the why and about people. I love it. And then not picture books, but do you have a favorite chapter book? Yes. I would say wonder. I read Wonder. It came out 10 years ago and it literally, I think, was the pioneer for social emotional learning. And it will be the OG for, I think, ever. Okay. Is that book really 10 years old? Because now I'm like, I know it came out February 14th, 10 years ago. And fun fact, it is still not available in paperback because it's that amazing. It is a fantastic book. Definitely check it out. We will link to all these books that Courtney has recommended. Courtney, any final words of advice when it comes to teachers using picture books in their classroom? I think the last comment I'm going to make is make the time, open the magic, because you never know what book is going to change a reader's life. I love it. This has been such a fun interview. And okay, final question, because I want to make sure if my audience is not following you, if you guys are not connected with Courtney, she is a wealth of knowledge and information, both for picture books, but not only picture books, obviously, as you can tell from like, teaching SEL and just how to help students fall in love with reading. So where can my audience find you and connect with you online? Yes. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Ramona recommends. You can find me on my blog at Ramona recommends.com. You can listen to my podcast. I have a new episode that comes out every Monday called confetti moments, and you can email me and I'm so happy to help you and find which picture books will help your students or your own children open the magic. I love it. Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on my podcast. This was so much fun. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.